This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of harm. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Welcome, everybody, to episode 269 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter, and still as of recording time, our Threads account. It's Liam. Liam, we are continuing here. The month of July, or at least when the original recording date happened, uh, with our reviews of Batman the Animated Series. And uh, we are, of course, going along in chronological order here. Uh, one of the orders that you can go in. It's, it's We're not randomly picking them out. So uh, <laughs> we are continuing here in a production order, I believe, right? Is the order Correct. we established way, 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 way back on episode one. And uh, we that means our next episode in production order after last week's very exciting time out of joint review is, in fact, Catwalk. And we'll be discussing that today. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's, uh, it's a Paul Dini penned episode. So it's uh, there's some some comedy involved, but uh, it's not just Catwoman that Batman has to deal with this week either. That's right. It'll be a fun one to talk about. We talked about this, uh, I think, in passing last week there. Really, if you look at across the whole series, there aren't that many episodes with uh, multiple A-list villains uh, showing up together. So this is another fun one to talk about today with Catwalk. Absolutely. And of course, Liam, we are going to get into breaking down our four categories and assigning a score to each of them, which will give us a total at the end and our own recommendation of whether or not we think Critically, you should watch this episode and then give our thoughts on whether or not uh, in the overall scheme of the DCAU Batman the Animated Series where this lands as far as rewatchability. But before we do that, as we do each and every episode, we are going to get the official IMDB synopsis for this week's episode brought to you by, as it always is, the youtube.com slash pod tower channel. That's right. Head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower today. And uh, we would love for you to subscribe. Not only will you get some great content from our friends at the Watchtower database who have their podcast, Jump on the Bat Wagon. You also get the entire catalog of Tim Talk, which covered every single episode of the DCAU 
They did it before we did. And then, of course, you get our entire catalog as well, all in one unique little hub there available for streaming directly on YouTube. So if you listen to your podcast via YouTube, that is the place to be. Head over to YouTube.com slash The Pod Tower today and subscribe. That's right. So this is the synopsis for Catwalk, which was written by Paul Dini, directed by Boyd Kirkland with music by Christopher Carter and animation by Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Catwoman is trying to go straight, but is recruited by the ventriloquist as a jewel thief. Um, okay, I guess. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's a lot. <laughs> that, that sentence isn't structured particularly well, but also there isn't that much more to this episode, if we're honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not it's not a uh, it's not a, it's not one that you have to go layer deep on it. It's not it's not like Shrek. It's not an onion, that's for sure. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of very surface. Uh, I guess maybe we can t- we'll talk about maybe some of the psychological angle of a of a uh, of a person a a tiger willing to change its stripes or a leopard being able to change its spots, so to speak. That old adage, but uh, nonetheless. We will discuss uh, just how shallow. I, I mean, shallow sounds like that's a critique. So let's let's just get into it here. Let's just talk about the episode as we break down our version of the plot synopsis here. And Liam, we kick things off in a very interesting location as we have a party that is occurring being thrown by none other than Veronica Vreeland. And uh, we get a intro that's uh, narrated by one Selena Kyle, who is there at the same event. And uh, she is looking at this display of extinct animals. Uh, and and I believe the tagline on the, the exhibition says Extin- extinction is forever. So she's mm-hmm. sort of reminiscing and, and going over thinking about what that uh, pondering just what that line means to her. As she flashbacks and gives us a little bit of backstory about from where we last left her, I guess, kind of. What was the last Catwoman episode that we had? It's been a while. Almost got him. I, I'm thinking maybe. Yeah. So almost got him. There wasn't a whole lot of Catwoman in that episode. Apparently, in between that time that we saw her and now, we see that she uh, she was uh, still running about Gotham freely purloining all kinds of valuables. She's a cat burglar. And uh, until she was once and for all sort of stopped by Batman, taken into the police, charged. And uh, she was uh, she was sent or I guess to avoid prison time. She was uh, she was commanded to return all of her ill gotten goods and uh, threatened with probation that if she violated said probation, she would go back to jail or she would go to jail so uh, she needs to stay on the straight and narrow path at this point. But she's sort of talking about how difficult it is for her to maintain that path. And just as she is uh, wrapping up her little tale of, of her run in with Batman and how she ended up uh, kind of on this current pathway, who bumps into her? But none other than Bruce Wayne, who is also, as I mentioned, at the same event being thrown by Veronica they talk about uh, they talk about just what's going through her mind, and she mentions that she kind of feels like a a fish out of water uh, in the in the place there and uh, amongst the people that are rich and ritzy. Selena, 
Extinction. I can relate to that. You're in a cheery mood. Giving up Catwoman hasn't been easy, Bruce. I miss the excitement, the danger. Sometimes I feel so tempted. Even though you'd be risking prison? Tell me I'm not in a cage now. Bruce Wayne, I wondered where you'd been hiding yourself. And who, may I ask, is your attractive date? Veronica Vreeland meets Selina Kyle. We've met at the wildlife fundraiser last year. Oh, of course. Love what you've done to your hair. Thanks. Since you're so devoted to wildlife, Selina, I can't wait to hear what you think of the museum's new conservation hall. I had it built in honor of my grandfather, Stanton Vreeland. He was the first to realize the importance of preserving rare animals. Not surprising, considering how many of them he obliterated. We learn just exactly what type of event, of event it is as Veronica Vreeland shows up and begins bragging about everything uh, on display, all of these extinct animals, and mentions that is done in the honor of her uh, her deceased grandfather, Stanton Vreeland, who, uh, who she says had a passion for... Uh, maintaining and keeping animals alive, especially those that were close to extinction. And uh, Selena, the claws come out very early here as she reminds Veronica that uh, actually the reason why so many animals are indeed extinct is because Stanton was a prolific hunter and uh, enjoyed blowing things out of the way or out anything that walked into his path and uh, she <laughs> she comments that the only reason he was interested in conservation of animals was because uh, he needed to do so in order to have something to shoot at. Uh, this is a uh, let's just say that Veronica's feathers are a bit ruffled. And the uh, at this point, uh, Selena decides that she best make an exit as she truly does not feel welcome there. Bruce tries to smooth things over. But uh, Selena mentions that she just can't seem to stop being herself. And that's kind of the theme that we'll we'll encounter throughout. And on the way out, uh, Selena is headed home and she hails a taxi cab. But before the taxi can grab her, a limousine cuts that taxi cab off and pulls her in. A large man gets out and shoves her into the back of the limousine. And in the shadows, we hear a pair of voices talking to her, very familiar voices at that. And then the lights come on and it is revealed who uh, just who is behind this kidnapping of Selena Kyle. Dummy, don't keep our pretty guest in the dark. Yes, sir, Mr. Scarface. Ah, that's better. <gasps> you gotta be kidding. <laughs> What's she laughing at? My fly ain't open, is it? No, sir. So what's the gag? Oh, 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 come on, you know. What's the gag? Can it, sister? This is Scarface you're dealing with, and I don't stand for no disrespect. I do as he says, ma'am. Mr. Scarface can be quite insistent. I don't think anyone's talking to you. No, sir. No, sir. Right. So what do you want with me? My boys happened to be in the museum when they saw your little set to with Miss Ronnie V. They also seen you licking your whiskers at the sight of Ronnie's pretty sparklers. You're boring me, Log. That's right. So it, uh, as it turns out, it is not other than Scarface and the Ventriloquist making their grand return to the series here. And they have a, a plot that they think they can enlist Catwoman's help on. And 
Selena is, uh, this is great. We'll talk about this more in voice acting, but she's just, she's so amused by the ridiculousness (laughs) of this little puppet man uh, talking like a gangster. It's a, it's a really funny, funny interaction. I always, like we said, it's always fun seeing these Gotham uh, rogues gallery interacting with each other. Um, But uh, reluctantly after, after getting the hard sell from, uh, from Scarface, and uh, about how not only would it be a, a way for her to get back out to the to the thrill of the hunt, so to speak, but it would also uh, stick it to that very Vreeland family that she was just sort of having words with previously. So uh, she uh, she agrees and suits back up and, as Catwoman and heads to the uh, museum and get, you know enters through uh, through the skylight. Classic. You know, cat burglar stuff here climbs down the giant stegosaurus, Chekhov's giant stegosaurus uh, <laughs> exhibit, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, as she uh, heads down and finds some uh, some jewelry, she begins to uh, to make her way into the case. But uh, it's at that point we cut back outside to uh, Scarface and Rhino and the ventriloquist. And does the other guy have a name? <laughs> uh yes what is his name mugsy is it mugsy i think it is mugsy yeah or was mugsy the rat looking there was there was three of them in the last one and there's only two in this one yeah i'm not sure if this is mugsy or i'll find out but regardless two rhino and uh and and uh scarface's other henchmen uh reveal at that point that this is sort of a a double cross the catwoman doesn't necessarily figure it out right away as they begin launching flares and smoke grenades into the museum setting off alarms and uh, as catwoman tries to make her quick escape uh, she runs afoul of a uh, of a guard and as she's trying to escape up that uh, that same stegosaurus from earlier it's revealed that there's a bomb placed on it they blow up her only exit and the uh, plan obviously at this point is for scarface to frame her for this uh for this theft and she is she's left under the rubble of the dinosaur which leads to maybe my favorite line in the history of batman the animated series which is can you help me up from under this dinosaur it seems to have fallen on me hold it oh could you please give me a hand this dinosaur seems to have fallen on me how did you it's a dull story handsome <laughs> uh tremendous tremendously funny uh yeah and uh catwoman sort of smooth talks and charms the uh the uh the the oafish security guard and uh, as he helps her up she uh she knocks him down and and does manage to make her escape just barely and uh eludes the cops and makes it back to her apartment where of course batman is waiting and uh, and needs to know exactly what's going on. Selena kind of improvises a uh, a story about how she had uh, gone back to the museum to try to apologize to Veronica Vreeland after their argument, and she saw people were breaking in, so she decided to put on the Catwoman suit to try to uh, play hero and then win some points from the cops. And uh, Batman's not so sure that he uh, that he believes that story but he says that he will uh, allow her to come back with him to the museum and they'll uh, they'll uh, they'll tell her story to the cops together and he'll sort of vouch for her and uh, as we as we set up here our our beginning of our third act here as catwoman and batman return we see that guard that catwoman is 
but knocked out, has regained consciousness and is sort of telling his story to the cops uh, as, uh, as Batman and Catwoman are looking around the museum. And uh, she notices at this point that a very rare jade tiger, uh, uh, the stuffed animal, this last of its kind, has gone missing from one of the displays, even though the display was brand new. And it's at that point she kind of puts it all together that she's been uh, that she's been had that the that her theft was a uh, was a ruse just to give Scarface a chance to grab this uh, this this extinct cat. And uh, and then obviously they were going to put the blame for all of it on her once uh, once it was found to be, be missing. And uh, so she tries to break things off with Batman once again, kind of uh, once again using his uh, he, he, his naivete, I guess you would say. He's a little he's still a little bit disarmed when it comes to her. And they have a sort of a brief fight and she's able to escape thanks to a giant hanging whale. You know, one of those. <laughs> And uh, and she escapes out and uh, Batman seemingly is back to square one. But at that point, he pulls out a, uh, a device that seems to have a location on it. And we cut to a uh, I guess they're in a sawmill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where else would Scarface be as we uh, as we come to our our climax here? And we hear uh, we have Scarface on the phone. He's on the phone. <laughs> on the phone with the penguin and it's actually a great gag which um the wonderful people at the dcau wiki referred to as a production inconsistency but the gag is that ventriloquist is theoretically the real person and scarface is just the puppet but scarface is the one talking on the phone correct (laughs) like this is a gag this is a visual like it's a funny visual gag um and uh and he we hear him selling a a stuffed penguin that he also stole uh, to to the penguin, in fact, and then he uh, decides he's trying to offload this this rare tiger as well as uh, as Catwoman and Isis enter, and Isis makes a little too much noise and and alerts alerts uh, Scarface and Rhino to her location. That's right, Penguin. I got your bird just like I promised. Of course, it'll cost you extra. Hey, you don't want it? Fine. I can always use it for pillow stuffing. Ah, see there? I knew you'd be reasonable. Well, I got you on the horn. Can I interest you in a Tasmanian tiger? A steal at only two mil. (gasps) No, huh? That's okay. I got a client dying to get her paws on it. I thought I thought booty tat. And uh, seemingly that uh, after quickly sort of having this discussion and and uh, and Selena and Scarface is making it clear they're not going to uh, to see eye to eye on this one. Rhino grabs Selena and seemingly has her dead to rights, but uh, thankfully that's when. Uh, Batman Returns. Hey, that's the name of a movie. Also with Catwoman in it. What do you know? <laughs> but yes, and uh, it, it, so Batman swoops in uh, to not only save Catwoman, but to start dealing with Rhino, our big bad. By the way, Muggsy is the name of the other guy. Uh, okay. Not, I don't believe he has a speaking role in this episode, which is why he wasn't credited, but uh, was by Joe Piscopo in the first. That's right. My lips. So, uh, also the uh, the third henchman not not seen in this episode that uh, looked very rodent like. His name was Ratso. <laughs> 
good callbacks there and uh good good DCAU callbacks for us to go there. Uh, but yeah, as we continue with our, our breakdown of the plot for this episode, uh, Batman is dealing with Scarface and that leaves Catwoman to go finally get her claws on the ventriloquist and Scarface. And uh, well, she gets into the control room where Scarface is uh, is sitting with the ventriloquist, manages to knock Scarface off of the ventriloquist's hand, picks him up and and uh, the ventriloquist demands that she put him down and she well, she complies, but not in the way that he uh, <laughs> that he probably would have liked as she sort of treats him like a football hurling him out of the room and landing onto the conveyor belt where she was previously strapped herself. Catwoman always finding herself on a conveyor belt <laughs> heading for circular saws is, I think that's where we last saw her too. If, if, uh, if almost got him was the last per, uh, appearance by her in this series. So she was saved from that uh, circular saw by Batman and now saved by this uh, from this one also. Uh, so uh, as as a uh, Batman uh, or as Batman deals with Rhino and she hurls, hurls, uh, hurls Scarface to the words, the circular saw. We see that uh, <clears throat> we see that uh, it it is it is almost curtains for Scarface himself. And uh, the ventriloquist continues to beg her to stop. And uh, she is non-compliant. And this this kind of shows you just how uh how connected and interconnected the ventriloquist and Scarface are as we mm-hmm. finally see some fierce emotion come out of the timid and rather rather uh, meek ventriloquist as you see his his anger begin to bubble up and he actually attacks Catwoman by swinging and hitting her with the Tasmanian ti- uh, tiger, uh, hitting her right in the face with it, uh, causing her to sort of stumble back. He's able to stop the controls at the very last second, right before the circular saw cuts the, the Scarface doll in half. Uh, I, I love also during the entire bit, Scarface is yelling for the ventriloquist to help yes. him. So, so funny. Uh, the saw stops and uh, seemingly everyone can rest as the ventriloquist pulls out his handkerchief and begins to dab his temples. Uh, as the sweat begins to subside, all is well. But then, of course, right behind him is another lever. And that lever, just like in any good Looney Tune, uh, unleashes a far worse death uh, for our, uh, our our once thought saved puppet. Help! Help! Someone do something! Please, let me save him. Mm, nah. Dummy, splinter what's wrong ventriloquist cat got your tongue as a Catwoman drops a uh, a release that, that was containing a bunch of logs and drops them uh, right directly onto the conveyor belt below 
crushing and uh and disembodying the the puppet as we see his arm fall, fly up in the air and uh it lands on whatever machinery there is causing a small fire and uh we get a a a horrific scream from the ventriloquist who cannot believe just what happened and uh catwoman at that point turns her attentions towards the ventriloquist he begs her not to uh to kill him as uh, as he says that he and Scarface are two different individuals that uh, but Catwoman insists that since he lives inside of him, that uh, that she's going to claw until she gets to him and begins sort of running her claws down his chest and tearing at his clothing. And that's when Batman stops uh, steps in the last minute, uh, telling her that yeah, she is unable to pursue this going forward. Uh, otherwise, it's going to just make matters worse for her. Then Batman sort of reveals that he knew all along that he could not trust Catwoman's word. And that's why he planted a tracking device on Isis, her cat, which led Batman to the uh, factory just in time to hear her her confession that she was involved in this uh, in this whole scam all along to steal jewels. And it wasn't just an innocent, uh, innocent uh, she initially had claimed, as you mentioned, that she was there innocently trying to uh, to stop burglars, but she, in fact, was herself the burglar. And uh, it, it's at this moment that ba- that uh, she mentions that Batman has a, a bad habit of letting her get too close. And he catches is once again caught off guard as she scratches him just as she do- did in the dream sequence at the very beginning of the or the flashback mm-hmm. sequence at the very beginning of the episode. And uh, she grabs this Tasmanian tiger and tells Batman that uh, he has a choice at this point to pursue her and to catch her or uh, as she hurls the Tasmanian tiger into the burning wreckage caused by the dropping of all the logs. Uh, the This priceless last of its kind stuffed Tasmanian tiger will go the way of the dodo, I suppose, at this point. It's up to it's up to Batman. So Batman goes after the stuffed tiger. And uh, and Catwoman escapes, and then we get uh, we get Sad Batman dot gif. Uh, as I was gonna uh, say, this is a famous. This is one of the yeah. Batman animated series gifs comes from this episode. It very much so. We get. Uh, I guess we could say that for visuals, but uh, I spoiled it. So yeah, we get uh, the the sad eyed Batman shaking his head as he realizes that uh, Catwoman has indeed gotten. Uh, gotten away yet again and uh, we get a sort of a postscript as Catwoman is uh, is perched upon a gargoyle uh, with her silhouette in front of the moon talking and giving uh, a, a final a final bit of dialogue for the end of the episode saying that she is the cat who walks by herself and uh, that is the end of the episode so uh, what do you think where do we land on this plot wise it's a lot of fun. I don't think you can take. Yeah, that. yeah. I I think it's a it's a it's fun to see the the two villains team up, albeit briefly. I like the confrontation. I like this as a kind of just a general character study of Catwoman as a character, and though her you know her dual identity is not noble in the way Batman's is it feels like there's still a kinship there in the idea of imagine if Bruce Wayne couldn't be Batman, like imagine what that would do to him. If he just had to go hobnob at, you know, with Gotham socialites for the rest of his life, he'd yeah. 
Absolutely. He'd unalive himself very quickly. Like he, <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't handle it. And the idea of her just being unable to suppress or not wanting to suppress that side of her and, and who she really, who she feels she truly is at her core. I think that's really fascinating. And of course it being her being in some ways, the, the other side of the coin of, uh, of Bruce and his promise and his vow is uh, I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic and in how he kind of continually gives her every chance to not go down that road, both as Bruce at the start of the episode when he's kind of being like, hey, you know, I, I can see you're on the edge, but you're going to go to jail if you do this. Right. And and then later on, you know, in the in the apartment as Batman and then and these these final that final confrontation where you there's such disappointment in him more than there is like he's not furious at her he's not angry like he he sees potential in her to be a you know to be a good person and someone that could help people the same way that he does and she just doesn't see that in herself and it's 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 kind of it's a like a little bit of like a tragic uh you know star-crossed lovers quality to it and I think that's that's something that's been kind of covered. I think that's kind of the that's the essential Batman Catwoman deal, right? And I think this is other than maybe that first those first episodes, Cat in the Claw, where she was kind of sharing screen time with this weird terrorist plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I feel like this is the first time uh, in a while, obviously, in a long time that we've gotten to see that Batman. What makes that Batman Catwoman relationship so interesting and? so interesting to keep revisiting you know some whatever it is uh, 70 or 80 years since uh, the character was first introduced no I, I i agree with you that i mean that's why that uh, that character continues to be put into those those situations why she keeps being brought back as a as a uh, as a love interest for whatever iteration of bruce wayne that there is live action huge uh, multi issue comic book stories like it's it's mm-hmm. It's just it's a part of these two characters. They're they're intertwined in uh, in both their history. And then the, I think the the dichotomy between the two of them, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin. I, I do like the idea of that. That psychological aspect of it, of of, you know, the sort of as I think as the great Lady Gaga once said, they were born this way. So like it's their natural instincts, both Batman and Catwoman. So they're both they're both pursuing this uh, passion, thrill, uh, desire that they have. It's just that Batman's is the desire to right wrongs and Catwoman's is to selfishly pursue, you know, her own her own be, uh, the I guess betterment of her own lifestyle. So uh, I think the curiosity that Batman has, and and maybe the empathy that he has towards her for that, uh, I I love that. I don't think that would have dawned on me before you bringing it up, but um, it feels like we we see that a lot in in uh, I guess mainly mm-hmm. I guess I guess mainly the one that that comes to mind is the is certainly the Phantasm, and that story was done, you know that's maybe the best Batman story ever told. So I think when it comes to this, when you have somebody that's not, it's, it's not even that they're exacting vengeance through killing as what happens in phantasm. It's, you know, what's, this is purely seeking, you know, crime for finance, personal financial gain. Uh, you know, it's, it's like there's right. so, many, so many better ways that she could probably 
you know, pursue pursue things in her life than than that. So I, I don't know. All, all that to say, I, I think the episode is fun. Um, even even if there isn't I guess there's more depth to this than we initially gave it credit for now that <laughs> uh, now that you mentioned it. But I guess uh, overall, it is just a straight, you know, um, you you're told there's right a, at the right. beginning. There's a heist and a double cross and right. and Batman's got to break up the. <laughs> the skirmish and you don't know why the double cross happens at least initially so there is some mystery as to what what that Mm -hmm. is but it's brief uh so yeah it it is it is a pretty straightforward episode and there's not a lot of not a lot of uh, uh things under the surface that you can kind of pick at to sort of ponder so um it is fun it's 22 minutes it's not an episode i think we mentioned last week it's an episode we had on videotape off of the Fox kids, but I don't think we watched it very often for whatever reason. Um, but it's fun that I think appreciating the ventriloquist and Scarface stuff as we have kind of grown to appreciate more uh, through this watch of the, of the episodes, the, the, you know, the slapstick and the different things that they choose to do. And uh you know, you mentioned it's not an inconsistency. They gave him the phone on purpose. It's funny. Like right. <laughs> he does the three stooges thing where he headbutts the ventriloquist. And you, if you think <laughs> about it in real, you know, in, in reality, the ventriloquist is literally punching himself with the doll in that moment. Like that's, it's funny. It's hilarious, you know? Um, so there's so many little things like that, that they did that you can appreciate. I liked it. I had fun. I enjoyed it. I think maybe a little bit more depth beyond the straight storytelling or mm-hmm. more off the wall. Paul Dini humor uh, may have taken my score up a little bit higher, but I still settled on a seven out of 10. Yeah, I went just one point higher. I went eight out of 10. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't really disagree with anything that you said there. I think if we had maybe delved a little deeper, we don't we batman kind of exists to be a scold in this episode Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you just tell her you know why are you going down this path why are you doing this you know and maybe seeing more of why on the batman side of this relationship we get we get i think we do have enough time to delve pretty well into selena and we see kind of her her kind of grandiose memory of how things went where like the i mean we'll talk about in visuals but like when the judge is sentencing her the judge's tower is like 15 feet in the air like like she's kind of it's it's memories mixed with like her own you know her own uh subconscious kind of and and how she feels trapped and all that i think that's fun it would have been fun i think to see more of batman maybe whether that's conversations with alfred or gordon or selena herself uh of him sort of trying to wrestle with his own his want and and need to see her make the right decision and his disappointment when she doesn't i think could have been a little interesting but again then if you take if you do that if you put more batman in this then you take out some of the funnier fun bits with the uh with the ventriloquists so uh which i really enjoy as well so there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in here that I like, even if uh, at the end of the day, maybe the maybe this is one where the the sum of its parts was a little bit better than the whole, even if the whole was still pretty good. Yeah, I concur. All right, Lane, let's move on to our next category, which, of course, is animation and visuals. And as you mentioned at the top, Coco Dong, or sorry, Dong Yang, rather responsible for uh, this week's animation, not Coco, but Dong Yang. 
Um, and uh, we had uh, directed by Boyd Kirkland. When I, I read, uh, thanks to the DCAU wiki, I, I saw that Boyd Kirk- Kirkland actually uh, ranks this particular episode among his favorite to have worked on uh, during his time here, mm-hmm. Batman the Animated Series. So that says something. Um, I met. I mentioned to you before we before we started recording, uh, before we even got into the recording room here that uh the the sequence with uh the flashback where catwoman is talking about her quote-unquote extinction and the everything in that batman scene in particular where batman shows up and then there's like an up close shot of his face i told you i would be i would bet a lot of money that part or if not part all of the of that sequence was storyboarded by bruce tim because it looks a lot like a bruce tim uh uh, bruce tim drawings the just the way batman looks the up close shot of his face um and kudos to the animation team for really really adapting those uh those bruce tim drawings in those in that Mm -hmm. sequence even when you get to Catwoman with, you know, kind of her big green eyes in the in the mask and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bruce loves to do those more exaggerated looking uh, pinups styles. And but I, I think even the way that Batman moves in that sequence, some of the way he moves later in the sequence with Rhino, all of that feels very much like something that Bruce Tim would have would have storyboarded. Uh, or at least had his hand in, but um, that was my that was my thing from the get go. Batman looks so awesome in that in that uh, in that that uh, flashback scene as he sort of appears out of the out of the shadows as he often does, and you see just his eyes, and then this burst of light uh, comes from behind him. So you just see the rays kind of behind him, and then you get an up close shot of the Batman logo. Uh, but yeah, lots of lots of uh, probably fun things to mention in this to go along with the ventriloquist and Scarface gags. But uh, what did you have as far as uh, animation and visuals were concerned? Yeah, definitely, definitely highlighted that uh, that opening sequence, like you said, where it's feels like it's maybe part part memory, part, uh, uh, you know, dream sequence or, or flashback uh, as Selena is kind of narrating uh, who she used to be as Catwoman and and what happened to her, uh, that's that sequence is a lot of fun. The the sequence where she gets thrown into the limo by Rhino and then uh, the ventriloquist and and Scarface are all in silhouette in the dark. I think is is pretty fun. Leading up to that review a uh, reveal there, I think is fun. The uh, and I like the uh, I mean, there's nothing. It's a museum. Like there's nothing like specifically spectacular but i just like that as like a background like the backgrounds and as that as a set piece and how much it's interacted with with the different you know the whale and the the dinosaur and all the different you know different displays and stuff that they get to play with is just a fun uh, you know that always works as a uh, as a backdrop for a, a superhero fight i feel like a get them in a museum that's always a lot of fun so i i enjoyed that sequence as well and then uh, the the final bit there one, as we talked about, the puppet always gets dismembered. Um, <laughs> and the way that I thought it was just the buzzsaw, like it had been a long time since I'd seen this episode. So in my head, it was just he got buzzsawed to death. So the fact when they stop it and then the, you know, the all the debris then falls on him and you just see like part of his hand t- tear off in the rubble. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's so funny that they found like they they didn't do the most. It's, a, it's such a slapstick way to uh 
or uh, you know a, a sharp right turn at the last second of where you think it's going but of course we're still going to destroy the puppet at the end i i enjoyed that um and then that final bit where where selena is kind of uh menacing the ventriloquist i think it's really good and We'll talk about that scene probably more in voice acting in a minute, but where she's, you know, begins where the claws come out and she starts to kind of tear at his, his, his shirt and like tears are coming out of the ventriloquist's eyes and he's shaking very violently before Batman steps in. I think that's a, uh, I think that's a, that, that whole last sequence in the, in the, in the sawmill or whatever, I think is, is really, uh, is really strong as well. So a lot of, a lot of fun stuff in this episode. Yeah, hard to hard to pick uh, anything outside of that. I think the uh, as you mentioned, museum is always a fun place uh, when when the uh, Batman versus Catwoman uh, on top of the giant whale is a uh, is a fun fight between the two of them. I love uh, it's ingrained in my head the way that the commercial break goes. We have Catwoman and Batman fighting there and she scratches at one of the. Uh, one of the cables that is holding the giant whale up. And then the, the, you see Batman begin to drop as that, that side of the whale begins mm-hmm. to, to drop and swing. And then you, you just kind of get this uh, shot from above of Catwoman holding onto the rope and you see the, the whale dropping b- beneath her. I thought that was a great, uh, great choice for direction of where to kind of where to have that view from as you see see really from the from the rooftop down looking at this this whale drop and hit and uh, as as you had mentioned in our plots summary the uh, the giant the dinosaur collapsing also her crawling up the dinosaur also she's trying to escape I thought it was great uh, and then the subsequent uh, destruction of said di- dinosaur Um yeah, there's a lot of great like uh, background paintings here. Almost exclusively, the animals are all painted. Uh, the statue of Veronica Vreeland's grandfather is painted. Also, um, I think almost that whole scene, with the exception of Veronica and uh, and Selena and Bruce, is is pretty much all painted backgrounds. Um, I will also mention uh, twofold here. I cannot believe this was in not in either of the wikis uh, that that I looked up. Either the DCAU or Batman the Animated Series also has his own wiki, which I'm pretty sure is just copy and pasted from. <laughs> but uh, it neither neither of those places. The final shot of Catwoman sitting on top of the gargoyle uh, with uh, you just get the sil- silhouette with the moon behind her is no accident that it's a I mean, there have been that's been used a thousand times as a, as a setting for a Batman image. But Batman 89 ends in a very similar, if not exact pose of Batman on a gargoyle with the bat signal behind him. And in this case, it's uh, Catwoman in front of the moon. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's also, of course, the flips reverse shot that we get in the in the title card as well. So you get that same shot. Not not so many times did you get whatever shot actually happens in the episode was also true from time to time. It did, but uh, but not often. So it's this is a case where you have an actual shot from the from the episode uh, previewed in the uh, in the actual title card. So uh, that and that's uh, that's the end of returns, too, isn't it? Her in front of the moon is not like the last shot of that movie. Oh, you know what? I think you might be right. Yeah. I think it's the back of her head, so it's not it's not the same perspective, but it's her it's definitely Catwoman in front of the moon. Yeah. There's, there's a famous story about how that shot costs like 
$500,000 because they had to get a suit out of storage the last second and it was shot like very close to when the movie was released. And then she was never seen again. <laughs> um, but yes, I, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta come on DCAU wiki, get yourself together here. This whole show happened because of Batman 89 and that's a pretty, yeah. pretty obvious uh, homage there to that. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good. I do like the, the fight scene between Batman and Rhino. We also mentioned this right before we started recording, but uh, we've gotten lots of shout, shout outs and they will continue uh, as we, <laughs> uh, as we go through the end of the month here. But the uh, the the skybox trading cards that were based on the adventures of Batman and Robin. Uh, there's quite a quite a few shots from this episode that were featured in that uh, in that set, including one with Rhino swinging one of the giant tree logs at Batman and uh, Batman's foot connecting. And there's like this giant yellow burst that occurs uh, very, very much uh, in in the vein of a comic book panel. Uh, but uh mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like the fight scene between Batman and Rhino because it's it's more of the same Batman getting a lot of punches. It's Batman versus a heavy bag, basically, like a walking bag. He's given a lot of punches to the stomach and then uh, eventually he's able to outsmart Rhino and and get him taken down. Uh, But uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's very, very good. I thought very solid all the way around. There is some fun. The slapstick with the ventriloquist and uh, and and uh, and Scarface. Uh, also adds to it and and then that final scene as uh as selena's kind of uh giving that final final bit of dialogue over top of the uh the uh the image of her sitting alone uh, just kind of reminds you of the the sad state that she's in so yeah all of that uh ended up giving it a solid seven out of ten what about you yeah and once again i was just one point higher at uh at eight out of ten i think uh yeah, for all the things we talked about here, I think it's it's just a really fun visual episode from the the opening uh, memory dream sequence to the uh, to the stuff in the museum to yeah that that final shot of her against the moon is uh, is really great and again not necessarily one that I remembered from uh, from the series so maybe maybe iconic is an overused word in the in the current lexicon but it's like oh that's a that's a great shot like that should that should be a <laughs> Like that should be a poster you can buy now. Like that should. There's a lot of art from this series that should be monetized better by Warner Brothers, but uh, you know, it's just not. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I really love that last shot of how it uh, mirrors the title card. Absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to our next category, which is music. This week's music composed by DCAU legend Christopher Carter, and. Um, I got to got to say there were several points that it stuck out because we did get the uh, recurring character themes. I think the the main part that I noticed uh, the Catwoman theme returning was the fight sequence between Batman and her on top of the whale. That's where it really swells and comes in. And then uh, it's you you get a, a slowed down version of it. Um, and then it then it also is sort of played with the same pattern, but just different notes, I think, uh, after that, as as the uh, as the cables begin to snap and she begins to escape uh, that immediately is followed up by the the Shirley Walker Batman theme as Batman kind of rides the whale as it crashes into the wall of the of the museum. So uh, we do get back to back hero and villain themes together. 
We don't get any of the returning jazzy read my lips Scarface music. So that is uh, that is absent. And that that sort of makes sense. That's not not a critique necessarily. That episode on its own had its own musical identity. Um, But because we didn't really get that same thematic sound, it it doesn't it sort of does leave something to be wanted for the for the music that accompanied the appearance of Scarface and then his maybe his dialogue later on on the phone um you could have brought maybe some of that back that's i'm not a musician though i'm not where i am but i'm not like a i'm certainly not at the on the level of of mr carter who has far more experience and talent than i will ever have but uh that's just my my overall general critical uh thought process there but yeah i i think the the music that accompanies, of course, is Catwoman's on the conveyor belt. You build tension. Is she going to escape? And that mirrors the same same sort of tension that occurs with Scarface on the on the uh, on the conveyor belt, also. And then uh, a, a real subtle, sad version uh, of the of the Catwoman theme uh, accompanies her little soliloquy at the end of the episode. Um, so some 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 decent pieces there. I, I didn't think there was anything. One thing that really stu- stood out, other than the the uh, the whale sequence. Uh, got anything else to add that you uh, that you noticed? No, not not uh, not too much else. Uh, like there's there's kind of the like the sad. Uh, what's the opposite of a uh, <laughs> of arpeggio is when it goes up, right? <laughs> or crescendo is when it goes right kinda, when it kind of goes down like the 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 music that accompanies where batman when batman grabs the tiger and saves the day and we get so high and then he looks back and 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 she's gone and and, he, and the the music that kind of accompanies that uh like uh, a descending his, his realization yes whatever the actual proper term for that is uh someone you can you can uh you can tell us on uh on the various socials uh, James but, uh, from Watchtower Database will probably correct us very quickly. Probably, <laughs> he's a trained, he's a trained uh, classical music musician. So I'm that's sure. right. So. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I I thought that 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 music right at the end of that sequence was also pretty strong. But uh, yeah, overall, I I liked the music. I didn't hear anything uh, too too uh, that really stuck out to me. Like you said, it, it is kind of missing that, that very jazzy score we had from the, from the first Scarface episode, but, uh, but perhaps that would have clashed with uh, this is, this is kind of a heist episode. So maybe mm-hmm. it makes, makes more sense to bring in more of the, the traditional, the traditional music there. I, I ended up settling on a seven out of 10 for my music score. Yeah. And I actually went with the same exact score, seven out of 10. So we agree on that. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, which is going to be talking about our voice cast for this week. Not a huge cast, but uh, we do have a couple of, uh, of recurring villains, as we've talked about. So a couple of returning voices. Uh, and uh, and then, of course, our, uh, our, our main cast as well uh, with, with Bruce Wayne and Batman. So let's, uh, let's break this down and, and chat a little bit about uh, this week's voice cast. That's right. So we have uh, just briefly, we do have Mary Lou Henner returning as Veronica Vreeland. Um, not not a lot to her, but she does get to interact a little bit with uh, with Miss Barbeau's Catwoman at the start. It's like she's just one of those Paul Dini uh, characters that I think he just he just likes and for sure he just drops drops her in where uh, where you can uh, where you can find room. I do her, like so. when she's like, I wish I could throw a party one time without some. <laughs> crazy crazed whack job uh you, you know barging in or, or ruining it 
Yeah, that was yeah, that was a funny line. She has a, a few little pithy lines that are great. And then uh, elsewhere in our supporting cast, we have uh, the the late Earl Bowen, as uh, as Rhino, and he doesn't get much to do in this episode, but he does have maybe my favorite line, along with uh, my other favorite line, besides the one about the dinosaur, uh, is uh, when George Zenza as uh, as a Scarface and the ventriloquist when. Scarface says, I haven't really ever had any uh, any use for animals except for Rhino here. <laughs> and Rhino is so happy. And he just goes, thanks, boss. <laughs> like, it's, so, it's, it's, it's very wholesome. Like uh, Mr. Yep. Mr. Bowen as Rhino very is genuine. a lot of fun. <laughs> he, yeah, even if, it's a, even if it's a much reduced role in this episode, but uh, uh, a pretty fun line. And then, yes, the aforementioned George Zunza as... Uh, as both ventriloquist and Scarface, uh, really good. You know, he gets a Scarface, always kind of a very funny character. As I mentioned, you kind of get the slapstick where he headbutts the ventriloquist and he's kind of browbeating him. And then you get the the funny lines. He throws in the, uh, you know, of course, the an, another another Paul Dini staple being a Looney Tunes reference, mm-hmm. uh, being he gets the I taught I taught I taught I taught a putty tat line in there when uh, when Catwoman is discovered at the end there, and then. I think actually what shined for me for Mr. Zunza as an actor here is that just that last little bit where Scarface is on the uh, the conveyor belt and he's yelling and pleading for his life. And then uh, and then on the other side, once the, the doll has been destroyed, when when the Ventrolkus is kind of breaking down and crying and begging and telling you know he's telling her that scarface is another person he's not me and 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 it's just sort of begging for his life i think what's wrong ventriloquist cat got your tongue please i never hurt you scarface he's another person not me really but he's inside you somewhere and i'm going to keep scratching until i find him don't make it harder on yourself. There's like a just the contrast there. Like it's you can tell it's the same voice actor, but how this pathetic sort of sad wretch that the ventriloquist is, especially once Scarface is gone, it just destroys him and and how sort of terrified and alone he is in that moment. Like he he gets to show some uh, some pretty good range here between that and kind of all of the the haha that he gets to do as uh, as Scarface as well. No, you're absolutely right. He, we, we, I always love pointing out a person's playing two, two different roles in this. He is playing the same guy, but it's a different character kind of sort of. So (laughs) it's even more crazy that he has to differentiate. It's very, very hard to tell that they're the same voice based on his delivery pattern. I love the first introduction that we get, as we mentioned, uh, I didn't even mention in visuals, but I love when they get into the back of the, the uh the back of the limo and everything's in silhouette so you just see you know kind of the the line silhouette around the outside the cell shading you kind of get some eyes but then they cut to the ventriloquist and scarface and you see his eyes you see the you see the ventriloquist glasses and then he you know scarface says don't keep don't keep the lady in the dark and they turn on the, the dome light and then Selena's reaction is to start laughing at him. And he he looks around. He says, what's wrong? My fly ain't down, is it? <laughs> I, I, cackled, I cackled. It was really, really good. And then it, it the delivery that he has as Scarface is so great. And then it, it complements the visuals so well. I love that 
you know, that the ventriloquist is gesturing for Scarface as he's talking. So he's moving mm-hmm. his hands to do things and, you know, pointing or, you know, as we already mentioned, he, you know, he makes him take his hat off to headbutt him, like all this stuff. It's <laughs> all of that combined with like this super serious, like classic over the top, you know, uh, 1940s gangster uh, mm-hmm. voice uh is so great and then the meek mild you know laid back sort of fragile soul that is the ventriloquist kind of juxtaposed against it it's it's uh it's one of the best performances that that you get out of a a lot of great performances in in the uh in the original batman the animated series run but any anytime you get george sonza in 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 this role and uh in in particular an opportunity to kind of break down his performances it's it's very very impressive absolutely and then of course he is uh he's spent a lot of this episode playing off uh uh, Adrian Barbeau, of course, returning as Catwoman here. And I really think this is her best episode to date as well. Like, I just think she, like we talked about it, it's such, it becomes such a character study of who she is. And yes, she gets kind of sucked in and, and wrapped up and betrayed and all of that. But ultimately her, you know, her need to be Catwoman and to, to feel the thrill of the, uh, of the chase and, and all of that is, is uh, is really fascinating. I think it's probably Miss Barbo's best episode to date as well because she just has a lot more to uh, sink her teeth into here. Yeah, no, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. I I, I mean the last the last episode before Almost Got Him, which we mentioned, was sort of a, a brief uh, stunted appearance by by Miss Barbo. Before that, we had Tiger Tiger, which was one of our low oh, yeah. episodes of all time. Uh, before that, we had another terrible episode, Cat Scratch Fever. Uh, so so we didn't have a lot to go off of. And then prior to that was was her appearance in, in The Cat and the Claw. So you don't have uh, and, and her brief appearance in Perchance to Dream. Somebody's going to tweet that at us. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Her performance there. But as as far as being Catwoman, yes. Definitely her strongest episode to date. Really felt the emotion. It felt like she was really, really naturally talking about this feeling of, you know, being a being a a, a fish, a big fish in a small pond, whatever, a fish out of water. You know, tiger can't change its stripes. Whatever, whatever mixed metaphor you want to use uh, for for this particular character, but you could feel the emotion and this idea of her really not feeling at home not being catwoman and seeking the thrill mm-hmm. of being catwoman but knowing for her own good that she wanted to try being on this straight and narrow path but eventually just giving in to her you know to her selfish desires at that point and uh really being unapologetic about it by the end of the episode so um it's uh it's it's a it's a tragedy in for this particular character as far as batman the animated series tragedies it's low on the list as far as the actual yes. tragedies are concerned <laughs> but it is somewhat tragic in that this character just can't seem to find uh worth or identity in anything other than being catwoman so uh, i felt like uh, miss barbeau's performance wholeheartedly agree with you really really strong for the episode and uh and really felt like uh, her best performance to date absolutely and then of course uh, the late great kevin conroy as batman like i said it's really not it's really not his episode uh we talked about that in the plot that He's there at the beginning as Bruce and then, you know, has the scene in the apartment in the middle and, and at the museum. And then 
comes back at the end to kind of save the day. He, I mean, he, he hits his spots though. Like he's, he's yeah. All of the interactions between him and, and Adrian Bobro as Catwoman are, are really strong. Like I said, you really feel like them, them liking each other and wanting to be around each other, but being so different and so diametrically opposed uh, as far as what their goals are, that they just, uh, it's, it's not going to work. And and his, uh, you know, his, his, his that that hint of of hope that he still has that maybe he can pull her back from the edge and and not being able to at the end there. It's it, you know, not surprisingly, he's very good. But I think yeah, this is again some of the the best Batman Catwoman stuff we've gotten to date in this series, and that that comes from, uh, of course, Kevin and uh, and Miss Barbo's performances together. No, I agree with you. They you you have to have they have to have some sort of chemistry in order to for it to be believable that the two characters on screen have chemistry. And uh there there is a bit of that Bruce's desire for her to have a better life than just being a criminal uh comes across mm-hmm. very authentically in the way that that Mr. Conroy did his performance. So, uh their natural chemistry in, specifically in this episode I felt uh, unsurprisingly, with it being maybe Miss Barbeau's best performance to date, their chemistry being the strongest in this episode uh, also came through very, very authentically. So it may be their best chemistry to date. So, uh, yeah, very, very strong. Not a lot for Mr. Uh, Mr. Conroy to do for the episode, but he he pulled his weight in in uh, in, in doing what what had to be done. Absolutely. All right, so I guess we should discuss a little bit about our scores here. Liam, for voice acting, I ended up with a pretty strong, based on the backs of all of these great performances, uh, mainly, I would guess, on uh, the chemistry, the aforementioned chemistry uh, between uh, Mr. Conroy and Miss Barbeau, and then, of course, uh, the lion's share of the uh, dual performances from Mr. Zunza. Ended up on a 8 out of 10 for voice acting. What about you? Yeah, and as as has been a common theme in this episode, I'm just one point higher at uh, at nine out of ten. Like I said, I think I think there's just some fun novelty of getting uh, George Zunza and, and Adrian Barbeau playing off each other, and then them both playing off Batman, and then you you throw in a great uh, you know a great character actor and voice actor like Earl Bowen even in a bit part. I think it's uh, yeah, it's just too much. There's too much good here <laughs> for for me to. Uh, to uh, to say anything other than uh, than great things about this episode. There you go. All right, Liam. Well, it is time to total up all of our scores. And uh, totaling up my four scores, I end up with a twenty nine out of forty. What about you? Yeah, and I end up just a couple points higher at a thirty two out of forty. All right. So as we discuss rewatchability, as we do each and every week now, uh, where does this land as far as a must see, uh, maybe a one thumb up? What do you got? Yeah, it's I mean, we do get Catwoman back in the series later, and she is pretty much back on the straight up villainous path when we see her again. So I guess this kind of works as a linchpin to uh, it's gosh i think it's the last episode in production order but batgirl returns is uh i think her next appearance unless i'm forgetting one um but but yeah i I think this one uh i think this one is a at least a one thumb up for it bridging sort of the last few times we had seen selena she had kind of been in sort of an an anti-hero 
you know, going towards, you know, helping Batman roll. So seeing her back to the, uh, the criminal ways by the end and back on the run at the end, I think, I think that's significant enough, even if it's not directly tied to this episode, when next we see her, it's really for the rest of the series and into the new Batman adventure. She's, she's not, uh, she's not really a good guy ever again. So yeah. <laughs> um they're at least not in the uh on the show maybe in some tie-in comics but so yeah i think this is uh this is at least important in that way and then it's also just a good solid episode of the series so yeah i think this gets a thumbs up yeah i i agree with you i give it a thumbs up maybe not a must watch because it doesn't mm. it doesn't necessarily progress or you know if you miss the episode are you lost if you pick up with Batgirl returns which by the way is the next episode and her final appearance in the uh the batman animated series run so yeah i i think i think that's uh because based solely on the fact that it's a good fun episode you give it one thumbs up and then as far as to the integral nature of the episode long-term effectiveness is it need you know do you need to watch it we're going to be lost if you if you don't don't put it in the playlist no but still still a recommendation from the both of us if you're looking for a fun episode maybe you haven't watched this one as much as uh as you have other other episodes uh, as we found then yeah put it in the uh put fire it up on the uh on the streaming service or the uh if you have the hard copy put the put the dvd or blu-ray in and and watch it uh if you're looking for some fun all right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget uh, to start things off. We would love your support. And there's a myriad of ways for you to do that. Uh, the easiest ways and freest ways to do that are to follow us on social media at DCAU Review. As we talk about Twitter, threads still somehow still a thing, I guess, sort of. <laughs> Uh, maybe chugging along. yeah it's ch- it's chugging along i don't know how much momentum it's got but it's there we are as of the recording date still on threads so you can find us there uh we're also <laughs> already on- lasted longer than hive so yeah know, there's a feather in its cap good point absolutely uh it's it's hanging around there we'll see we'll see if it starts to uh to drain on mark zuckerberg's uh monetary empire if it uh, does <laughs> but uh yeah, we'll file that one under we'll see. Uh, but uh, while you can follow us there at DCAU Review, Instagram, of course, we are there as well. Another Zuckerberg creation. Uh, <laughs> I just he just makes great things that we love. And uh, we love big tech. We love billionaires and we love brands on this show. We love all of those things. We love social media uh, mm-hmm. companies uh we we love people that mine our data we love all mm-hmm. of those uh, all of those things are good and there's nothing wrong with it uh but in in <laughs> all kidding all kidding aside it is how we get to interact with you the listeners in most uh most ways so uh anytime we we get to put those those things that we maybe don't uh, like so much, we're reminded of those things that we don't like about social media. Uh, for every one of those, there's the uh, opportunity to interact uh, with somebody that listens to the podcast, uh, whether it's uh, live or maybe later on uh, after the uh, the show is dropped. Thank you all for for checking in with us and and for giving us your thoughts and opinions and feedback uh, on whatever social media outlet you choose to do so. Uh, we're across the board on Twitter instagram and threads for right now so uh chat us up let us know what you think about this episode past episodes 
DCAU news. Uh, My Adventures with Superman just came out, and a lot of people talking mm-hmm. about that. Uh, Liam, I know uh, not for the show uh, on his own time. He's got his own life. Watched <laughs> uh, watched a couple episodes of that. So uh, follow us on Twitter if you want to hear his thoughts on, uh, on on what he thought about that. And maybe later on down the road, one day we'll get to uh, reviewing an episode or two of that in an Elseworld. I was going to say, first rule of podcasting, always be willing to turn things you do in your free time for fun into content for your show. That is rule number one, and I am very willing to do that with uh, with my adventures with Superman. So stay tuned. There we go. And uh, also, of course, this is a big month as it is, at least for the original recording date, as we have San Diego Comic Con happening just uh, in the next week or so. So we are eagerly anticipating all kinds of DC news, including some additional DC animation news. We're gonna we're not gonna speak it name just in case we spook it but uh, we're hoping for a trailer for something or a teaser for mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. to drop perhaps uh, maybe some news tidbits uh, if no trailer that uh, that we'll be happy to talk about here on the show so uh, keep your eyes glued to whatever social media actually don't keep them glued there just check in occasionally like, <laughs> not not for nothing. for your health <laughs> not for nothing uh the the idiot that runs twitter like not for nothing limiting the amount of uh things that people <laughs> past maybe not the worst thing in the world for people to have a limit of how many uh, posts they could read per day <laughs> just saying uh moving on uh non-soapboxy controversial takes uh if you want to support the podcast in other ways check out the show notes there's a link to our store where you can pick up some merchandise and there's also the link to support us monthly with a donation by myself or liam a coffee thank you for those that support us monthly we love you guys thank you for doing so and putting your heart earned dollars behind the podcast it uh, encourages liam and i to keep doing this uh even if uh on days where we don't feel like doing it so thank you guys uh liam we are continuing with one final i believe one final or is it do we have two final saturdays this is a five month saturday it's five saturday month what am i talking about but next week at least we have an exciting landmark episode Speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, there's even merchandise celebrating our our coverage of this episode, exclusive action figures being released by McFarlane uh, mm-hmm. for San Diego Comic-Con, just in honor of next week's review. And it's so big, Liam. It's so gigantic. We couldn't do it alone. That's right. It's a big one, as you have alluded to, Cal. This year marks 30 years. 30 years since the major comic book event, Batman Nightfall, which of course saw Bane break Batman's back, introduced Bane the previous year. And then in 1993, he becomes a full-fledged threat and breaks Batman back, Batman's back. And one of the most famous comic panels probably ever drawn by, I believe, Graham Nolan. And uh, just a short couple years after that event, took place in the comics a very quick turnaround uh that character made its way into batman the animated series in the aptly titled episode bane and if that weren't enough if that great bit of a happenstance and uh, uh wasn't wasn't enough of a, of a fun reason to be reviewing bane next week we've also got the episode's director uh, for that episode coming back to our show as our special guest correspondent, Kevin Altieri, friend of the show, good friend of the show, returning once again to discuss an episode he directed. He's going to pass on a lot of 
great tidbits of info about creating the show, how he and Bruce Tim and some of the other people working on the show felt about adapting a character that new into the show. Uh, Bruce Tim uh, actually doing an entire act of the storyboard. There is a, a lot that he gets into and he, we really get into the weeds with him on it. It's a lot of fun. Can't wait for y'all to hear that conversation next week. It is going to be one for the memory books, our 270th episode, and I dare say our newest episode yet, for sure. <laughs> but until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Leo. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye. I couldn't promise it would be the best one yet because I don't know. No.